0: Welcome to episode 0000231 of The Mission. My name is Daniel James, I'm going to be your host through the wait this evening, broadcasting to you from Triple R World Headquarters at the end of the 96 line, which is, of course, on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to the Elders past and present, any mob that might be out there listening now, and in fact, anyone who is listening now, thank you for tuning in. Now, we've got a great show coming up uh, in a few minutes. We'll be joined by First People's Assembly of Victoria co Ngara Murray on Merrick Beck Council's moves to, towards treaty, potentially the first time a treaty between a traditional owner group and a local government area will be negotiated. Now, what's happened since the last time I was in this seat? Let me think. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Uh, so in other news, the coronial inquest into the death of Yorta Yorta mm. and Gunai Kernai man Joshua Kerr has begun. And a warning, and it's a serious warning, um, the next few minutes I'll be uh, recounting what we learnt during the first day of the coronial inquest. So if you um, don't want to hear that, uh, then step away from the radio or your device for a little bit and um, uh, come back when you can hear some tunes. So the inquest itself is investigating the circumstances into the death of Joshua, a 32-year-old I can I man, yorta-yorta man, and this is what we know so far, and I'm reading here from a a Nine News report via AAP about the first day of the inquest, Uh, and what we discovered is that uh, it took 17 minutes for Joshua to be pulled out of his cell and given medical treatment after he became unconscious. By then, of course, it was too late. And by the time the paramedics got to Joshua, he was dead. Several corrections and medical staff had been watching the 32-year-old behaving erratically on CCTV in the hours before his death. He was heard saying, I'm dying, over the intercom, and seen by prison supervisors trying to drink from the shower and from the toilet after he was not given water or food. No one intervened. He had been in remand in custody for more than a year, awaiting trial. So at this point, not found guilty of anything in particular, but awaiting trial. Hours before he died, Kerr was taken to hospital after lighting a fire inside his cell and burning his hands. He told a nurse he had been paranoid because he was using methamphetamine. Joshua was then taken to St Vincent's Hospital, hospital, for treatment but the tactical operations group police decided to take him to prison before he was formally discharged now anyone that knows anything about hospital and going and get treatment from hospital that requires treatment to an injury knows that you must leave on medical advice and you must leave with a discharge plan this didn't happen this was taken he was taken away by tactical operations groups before any of that happened They removed him from hospital before the wounds could be redressed by a specialist. He was then escorted to his cell by the tactical officers at about 4.45pm and the following hours were captured on CCTV from his cell, which will not be released to the public. Counsel Assisting Rachel Elliard said it was unclear why a directive was given that Kerr's cell could only be opened if technical officers were present, as if it was a blanket enforceable rule. For the rest of the evening. She said, It's also not clear whether those giving the directive intended to have a complete broad effect or, th- or whether anyone took steps to challenge it because they thought it was not right, she added. She went on to say that his behaviour became consistently distressing and bizarre over the course of the evening, with Kerr seen flailing his arms while laying on the floor. He was assessed by a psych- psychiatric nurse from outside the cell who raised his risk rating to the highest level and mandated he be transferred to a specialist unit, but this did not occur. And At about 6.30pm that same afternoon slash evening, he said, I'm dying, over his intercom, and there was no response. A nurse visited his cell after blood was seen, but wrongly concluded it was from his burnt hand, when the blood was actually from his head, that he'd been banging about. Counsel Assisting said. Kerr's movements began to slow from 7.40pm with a prison officer noticing he'd stopped moving at about 8.01pm and looking through the cell window, he believed he saw Kerr's chest move indicating he was breathing and tried to rouse him using the intercom before a code blanket emergency was called. Curse cell door was not open until tactical officers arrived at 8.18pm. That's a total of 17 minutes between Josh being visibly unresponsive and having his first access to medical treatment, Council assisting Rachel Elliot said. He died in full view of custodial and healthcare staff. So that inquest now continues. Our hearts and thoughts go out to Joshua's family and friends and to uh, anyone else who's been affected by circumstances like this. But while we are talking about things like Australia Day and uh, we're fighting cultural wars, this sort of thing is actually really happening to our people on an all-too-regular basis. And cultural wars have their place, um, but we need to make sure that we keep our eye on the ball when it comes to these instances and that we give all the love and support we can to those affected. And if you've been affected... Uh, there are, There is help, there is always someone to talk to. 13 Yarn for mob out there, that is 1392.76, 1392.76 and of course there's always Lifeline 1311.14. Um, just trying to keep it real, I mean this is what we have this program for is to make sure that uh, we talk about the hard things without fear or favour and make sure that people uh, what happens to our people is not forgotten by the broader public and uh, I encourage you to follow those proceedings as they continue. RRR. There is a big year ahead for a treaty here in Victoria again no matter what others say or do around it there is a body of work to be completed and we have the First People's Assembly of Victoria to do that. One of the co-chairs of that assembly is Nagara Murray. Uh, Nagara is a Wamba-wamba, Yorta-Yorta, Daradora Jojo-Rung woman, uh, she's worked in many capacities, usually behind the scenes where she's <laughs> usually most comfortable, um, but we're very grateful to have her in the chair for the first time this year. Uh, Gara, welcome back to the mission.
1: Thank you, and it's great to be here.
0: Another busy year ahead for, uh, for Treaty in Victoria. What What's going to be going down this year?
1: Yeah, so 2024 is a big year for us. Since our last come on, I think maybe six months ago, so much has happened in that time. Truckloads. A lot. Um, and we kind of come into the role, both Ruben and I as co-chairs, and just kind of hit the ground running. But, yeah, we've got a lot planned for this year. Um, we're in a really exciting position which we'll see treaties begin in this state. So we'll look at entering into treaty negotiations um, at some stage of this year. Um, We've got an amazing um, First People's Assembly in place, which people are familiar with around the 32 democratically elected traditional owners of country, and we've worked really hard to establish that body. And we've now got a treaty authority, which is really exciting, that's come into existence.
0: Tell us about the treaty authority so 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 people know.
1: The treaty authority will be our independent umpire and it's made up of five Aboriginal community members and they'll establish and activate um, the treaty database. So we'll look at applying um, to meet minimum standards, throughout the year and to activate a statewide treaty so there'll be many treaties there'll be the statewide treaty that will cover statewide matters and local treaties um, across the traditional owner group so that treaty authority um, yeah, is up and running
0: so it's an independent statutory body that uh, without fear or favor will um, not only assist parties to negotiate but also mediate differences as well
1: Yep, they will, and they've got a really big responsibility and big role ahead of them, Um, but we're confident that we've got five really strong Aboriginal people into that uh, treaty authority that will, yeah, as you said, administer the the framework and and oversee treaties. We've also activated the Self-Determination Fund, so we've got... that activated and traditional owners are able to apply for resources to support them to mobilise and organise and to get treaty ready. So that's really exciting. So this is,
0: this is so traditional owner groups, anyone that wants to negotiate a, a treaty with the Crown isn't having to fork out money from their own pockets to, uh, to match that of, uh, of, the, of, the, of the government. Um, or not relying on uh, community legal services. This is a a fund that traditional owners that want to negotiate can access funds to to get the support they need to have an even footing with with the, uh, with, the with the
1: state. Yeah, so that's um, all set and in place. So that's really beneficial to traditional owners that will start to apply for those funds and support them to get to the table. Yep. So that was something that. Um, you know, was a really big part of the work that we've done in the first term and it's great to see um, the members appointed to that and the work also that the Europe Justice Commission is undertaking. Um, they're doing some great work. They're currently examining the themes of land injustice and, I think, um, education, health and housing. So there's some big work ahead of us, um, but the, the kind of stage is set now for treaty negotiations to begin and there's a really clear pathway um, to treaty for our people. So... It's exciting times for us here in Victoria.
0: So there's a truckload of work going on. All of this is well-documented, easily accessible. Uh, We have the Europe Justice Commission. We have the First Peoples Assembly. We have these statutory bodies that are are there to um, assist. We have a a fund that traditional owners can access to uh, to assist in their negotiation. So what what was your reaction when the Victorian opposition said that um, they... We're no longer supporting treaty in Victoria because no one really knows what it's about.
1: Yeah, it's disappointing, um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't affect treaty negotiations and we're going to continue to get on with the job and you know, we know that politicians do what they do best and that's politicise, especially Aboriginal people, we're often used as a political football and we, we've seen that throughout the referendum debate, which was brutal um, for our people, but at the Assembly, um, we're getting on with the job, so... You know, we know that the Road to Treaty is hard and it will always be challenging and having those difficult conversations, um, but we welcome, you know, the Coalition to come back to the table. It's unfortunate that they've walked away, um, but, you know, we just keep doing what we do best and move forward. And, yeah, it was just disappointing um, to meet with the Coalition last year. Um,
0: Yeah, let's get this right. So... You met with the, the coalition in December of last year. So you would have had uh, Peter Walsh there, um, maybe not John Basciuto. But um, that was in December. Did they give any inclination to you that they had, had made the decision to walk away from treaty by then?
1: No, none whatsoever. So there was no inkling around um, the opposition withdrawing their support. So it was a bit of a surprise to see um, so yeah, that's
0: yeah. as, you know, I'll, I'll, you don't have to comment on this, but, but um, that's as um, duplicitous as it gets. They have come out recently and said that they made the decision to walk away from treaty here in Victoria in October. They met with the First People's Assembly in December, including the co-chairs, yourself and Ruben, and gave no indication whatsoever that they had made a decision to walk away from it.
1: That's correct. So, yeah, we need politicians, um, you know, who'll listen to us and that are willing to actually hand over some of those decision-making powers and to have those conversations and that's why we'll continue to have those brave um, conversations with all parties. Um, and as I said, the door's always open, but, yeah, just disappointing.
0: Um, last time you were in that seat, I think we were probably about a month or so away from from the referendum. Yes, um, just wanted to ask you personally, I mean, it was a brutal time for so many of us. Um, how, did, how did you go throughout it all?
1: Yeah, I think um, after the results, it was very disheartening and deflating. Mm. Um, but our people were really strong, we're resilient, and we'll just continue to do what we do best, and that's to fight for our rights, for truth, for justice, um, you know, for treaties in our future. So, yeah, it was very challenging time for all of us Um, I think for the first time the wider community felt how we felt for that little moment in time around the disappointment and rejection of of the Australian people but I know that we have a lot of support in the allyship that we've created throughout that referendum and we want to manifest that now into the treaty space so we know we've got thousands of people Right across the country um, that support um, our people.
0: Well, that's right. Um, and, of course, there's talk of uh, a treaty process now developing between uh, the Woiwurrung people yes. and uh, Mary Beck. One of the great things about the, the treaty, um, about the referendum process is that we now know where we stand.
1: That's right. And
0: so we know that the seat of wills, which covers much of Mary Beck um, in this uh, uh, state, uh, was one of the strongest yes votes in the country. And so that... Gives the Wirung people dealing with Marybek, I guess, some confidence moving forward, and I guess for the for the rest of us, at least we know where we stand.
1: That's right, and we kind of knew it really, but to have that we evidence knew and it, data yeah. now, <laughs> <laughs> but now we know for real. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's disheartening, as I said, and it's a real kick in the guts. But we're used to getting kicked in the guts at times, so
0: yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the things, and I'm. I'm, I'm i keen to know your thoughts. One of the things about the referendum f- for me was uh, it made me more determined to focus on our mob down here and just focus on, on us alone and, and look after each other because we come from... Your family has a rich yeah, lineage. My family has a rich lineage of um, activism and, and pushing forward and, and, and trying to break through. Um, it's made me more determined... Now than ever, to I guess honour that lineage and, and to try and get the job done for them. So it's been a centering sort of thing
1: yeah, yep. for me.
0: What was yeah, it for you?
1: I, I feel the same because we both come from a big mob, you're a mob, <laughs> but a long and proud history of our people fighting for their rights and we carry that legacy and that story and that vision of the old people into our lives today. So I think, yeah, that does recenter us. Um, mm. And that's what I did after the referendum. was we'll spend more time on country and we've yeah. got our family and community to keep us grounded. You're so.
0: posting some very deadly photos, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, on your, country. Your country absolutely. Beautiful country in Victoria. And waiting into the golden hour, so it just shines correctly in the uh, shimmering, shimmering last light of uh, day. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I guess now is a good time to, as any... Um, and I guess fortuitous, now that we no longer have uh, bipartisan support, to have Treaty Day Out coming up uh, in Ballarat on the 2nd of March. Um, that's an opportunity for, for mob to get together, centre ourselves again. I think it's the first treaty day out since the referendum. Um what what do you hope to get out of uh, these Days Out? Because this is like the fourth one now, maybe fourth or fifth? Yes,
1: it is. So yeah, we've got a huge lineup for Treaty Day Out, including kind of um, some amazing artists like Electric Fields and Moju and 3% and Jessica Malboy, so we're excited about the Treaty Day Out coming up. But we're really um, excited to have all our people come together, but also the mainstream, so all that allyship that we built yes. throughout the referendum, so we encourage them to participate and come together with our people and support you know, Aboriginal artists and support the movement of treaty um, and to show their support, um, you know, down on Wadawurrung country. So, yeah, we're excited about our our Treaty Day Out and, um, yeah, all the communities coming together.
0: Ballarat Nazi's not welcome. Um, If you want to get um, tickets to Treaty Day Out, it's very, very simple. Um, Whether you're uh, an ally or whether you're a mob, just go to treatydayout.com and the tickets are um, there front and centre on the first page. Um, I guess the, the 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 opposition walking away from treaty, in effect, in the short term changes nothing. I mean, you've got a you've got a body of work to do. There may be some concerns amongst mob that um, there might be a rush now, and that might have a flow-on effect to uh, people making uh, decisions around whether they are formally involved in this process or not. What can you say to people that are concerned about? the lack of bipartisan support now.
1: Yeah, it's a, a conversation that we're having um, in the community with different mobs, so I think we can just reassure them that we have that strong commitment from the current government, that we will, um, you know, do treaty negotiations this year and all activate many treaties across the state. And just to reassure them that we'll we will get the job done and that support is there across the state, not necessarily across the different parties, but we'll keep working on that and, and, and as I said, our door's always open, exactly. so we'll continue those conversations.
0: You're not gonna you know, yeah, the door the door is open, you're not shutting the door in anyone's face. It's unfortunate but there's still an opportunity for the coalition to, to come back to the to the party because uh, we're a long way down the road now. It, if you were um, to take a guess as to when we might have a statewide treaty, what sort of time frame do you think we'd be looking at?
1: Yeah, so I believe that it will happen this year. So once the treaty authority is established, um, they're not too far away, and then um, we'll activate um, our application for the database. So we'll meet minimum standards and mm-hmm. um, start to negotiate with government to sit down at the table so we've got strong representation in place and the right people skilled and armed and the expertise that we need to enter into treaty negotiations so you know we've got nothing to lose from a treaty but so much to gain and as i said we'll continue to have those brave conversations and it's about everybody that lives here in victoria that's right it'll benefit all peoples that live in in victoria and it's something to celebrate our culture and you know, 60,000 years of Aboriginal custodianship that we bring to the table. So I think that, um, you know, everybody just needs to get on board and support, um, you know, the road to treaty.
0: I'm speaking with First Peoples Assembly, Victoria co-chair Ngara Murray. We're talking, obviously, about treaty and everything that's been happening around that. We've touched upon the the referendum. Um, Have you found it in... Have you found it for yourself to be in the spotlight all of a sudden? Because one morning you wake up and you find out that, oh, they've walked away from the treaty and say so your phone and your messages must start ringing. It's very different to any other role you've ever had before. How are you finding it?
1: Yes, it's, it's it's overwhelming at times, but it's such an honour and a privilege to be in this role and to be elected um, by my fellow um, Assembly members and to have that backing and support from the community. So, yeah, it can be a little bit intimidating, you know, the media and things like that, but I think that balance that I have, having a, a co-chair in Rubenburg too, um, and the both of us sharing this role, and the support of our Chamber and our staff and all our communities that we represent... Um, has really helped kind of elevate the role and um, yeah it's something that I don't take for granted and um, as I said it's a real honour to be in this position.
0: Well one of the things that I think many of us found miraculous about the first iteration of the assembly was how well it worked because it'd never been done before. Uh, You hold a whole bunch of people in a room, a whole bunch of egos, backgrounds, histories with each other. Yep. seems to me that the the second iteration of the assembly is going um, just as well if not sort of, I don't want to the first first, um, mob, because you were part of that, but um, going just as well, going just as smoothly.
1: Yeah, it's it's going really well, and I think that, you know, in the first term we smashed out the work um, and, you know, really laid those foundational pieces that we needed to enter into treaty negotiations, and now we've got a really strong representation, it's really diverse, it's traditional as a country, it's young people, it's old people, but it
0: kind of works. Yep.
1: As crazy as it sounds around the debates and things we have in the chamber, we all are there for the common goal of treaties, all working towards that same goal. So, I
0: guess one thing that really helps with that is is having a really um, full and rock-solid agenda to work to.
1: Absolutely, and it's so important, the work that we are doing, and it's something that we, we take on with, with great responsibility. But, yeah, we're all there for treaties and to change this country for the better, for our people, for pe- all people that live here. So, um, yeah, we all, all work together well.
0: Well, your family uh, will be immensely proud of you, I'm sure. your mob, Thank you. Your mobs are proud of you. Um, thank you for the work that you do. Never be a stranger to the studio, but thank you for coming in today.
1: Thank you, and thank you so much for having me on the show. Thanks, Daniel.
0: Triple R. Thank you so much to Ngara Murray, co-chair of the First People's Assembly of Victoria, for coming in and t- talking about us to spot all the flim flammery associated with the politics of it. The First People's Assembly and Treaty of Victoria will progress this year and we will start to see treaties being negotiated and signed. But until next week, stay safe, stay strong and stay listening. ta da. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.